Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast. This is episode 108. And today I am speaking on a topic that may seem counterintuitive. It is how to add value to your customers by raising your prices. Now, we'll go into more detail here. I think a lot of business owners get really excited about this at first. Like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to raise my prices, charge what I'm worth. However, there's more to it. It's not just like charging more. But there is a way, and it is, I think, the best way to add more value to your customers and Part of that is raising your prices. So I'm excited to dive into that today. However, first I want to share a review, and this is from Mona Lisa in Boston. I love that name, by the way. She says, like coffee with a friend. Listening to Elizabeth on the Crafty Career podcast is like having coffee with a friend who has been there and isn't afraid to tell her secrets to success. I have learned so much from listening to this podcast and highly recommend it to all quilterpreneurs. So Mona Lisa in Boston, whose name I love, I'm very intrigued by, I hope we get to meet one day. Thank you for this review. I really appreciate that. And I'm so glad that you're finding the things that I share here helpful. And hopefully I'll get to find out what your business is. Maybe send me a DM. Uh, But yes, thank you. I strive to come here and do just that. Now, if you have found this podcast helpful, go ahead and leave a review. You can share what you're liking about the podcast or even just tap the five stars. Either or, it really helps the podcast to help me to get better guests on the show, to help the show to succeed. And it also helps other entrepreneurs who are out there starting their own business to find the podcast and to also get help uh, on this free platform. So if you haven't yet, please do go and leave a review. So today, to be totally transparent, these ideas are not my own. I have spent many years now at this point studying business. The first person who introduced this idea to me that it's of more value to to be on the higher end in the marketplace was, of course, Russell Brunson. And I don't remember how he stated it or why, but it made sense to me. However, I have recently purchased this book. It's called $100 Million Offers by Alex Hermosi. And this book, he has done such, I did it first in Audible. It's like, it's free, right? He gives this away for free. And I was listening to it and I'm like, okay, this is one of those that I'm going to have to buy the physical book because it's got some really good stuff in it. So I'm going to share some of these thoughts that again, they're not my own. I mean, I've adopted them and they've become my own in practice, but I can't claim that this was my idea. And even, you know, Alex and Russell talk a lot about Dan Kennedy, uh, Warren Buffett. So these ideas, and they go back to Napoleon Hill, is it? Who wrote Think and Be Rich, Think and Think and Grow Rich, Think and Become Rich. <laughs> the t- exact title is escaping my mind at the moment. But okay, so we're going to start with this idea of 
even before, when you're just barely starting your business, what you need to look for. And first is you need to find a pain point, a, a person who has a problem and you're going to solve that problem for them. Now, when I say that, you know, I started with the Quilters Candy Box, a monthly subscription box. It's not like there was this obvious pain point of like, I really need a box every month with treats in it, you know, and quilting notions. However, the pain point was these people love getting new fabrics and surprises. And oftentimes, you know, they, they know exactly what they're going to buy and they get it, but they want this pleasant surprise. Like, you know, when you get a gift from someone and that hit of dopamine of like, Ooh, what could it be? It's providing that same experience, but they know that it's going to be something that they like, you know, it's going to be quilting and they followed me. They knew my look and the kinds of things I offered. So generally speaking, they knew they were going to be happy with it, but it was still this surprise. So you may call that what you will, but that's kind of the pain point that I would be looking at, you know, for when I first started my business. So don't be discouraged if you're like, well, I'm, I'm just creating something beautiful for the world. There's still a pain point. There's still something that you're offering that's going to intrigue your customer and solve some kind of like, man, I really want that surprise gift without having to be let down that I don't like the gift, you know, that kind of a thing. So think in, in regards to how are you reaching your customer? What kind of pain point are you hitting for them? And just a tip, the bigger the pain point, the more value you offer when you solve it. So for example, let's say someone really wants to learn how to quilt, but they're struggling reading these patterns and they just, they want to so badly, but they don't know how. The more somebody wants something, the bigger the result's going to be, the more value you instantly have by solving that problem for them. So number two, number one there is the pain point. Number two, they need to have purchasing power. They need to be able to buy something. So in Alex's book, he talks about, he had a friend who was had such a great system for helping people get a resume, a job resume, and writing a good resume. He's like, but man, they, they can't pay me because they're all unemployed. So that's, you know, he had a great product, a great service, but they didn't have purchasing power. So that's fine for service. But in this podcast, we're talking about a career and in a career, you, you want to earn money, you know, you need to pay your bills and heaven forbid you want extra to go on that vacation. Um, so we are wanting to earn money. And so you need to serve an audience that can afford to buy your product. Number three, you want a market that's easy to target. So if you know my story, you know I was not a quilter when I started Quilter's Candy Box. I was an entrepreneur and I went to Quilt Market and I studied enough about entrepreneurship to know that you need this market that is already gathering and congregating. They're spending money and they're very loyal and dedicated to this thing or very obsessed with or whatever you want. You know, I'm obsessed with entrepreneurship. Um, so you want to find people who are just very, very loyal. You know, you could talk about Harry Potter fans, Taylor Swift fans, these kind of markets. You want to find that market. So when I went to Quilt Market, 
I was going to see what my friend's mom did. I was intrigued. It was her second year coming to Houston that I knew her. And I was like, what does your mom do exactly? And so when I walked into that quilt market, my mind was blown. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is that niche market of which I've been reading about where people are congregating. It's easy to target. So you want to find that kind of a market. And then four, you want to find a market that's growing. If it's a dying market, not great, which is funny. People who aren't quilters are like, oh, it's a dying art. I'm like, oh, that's funny. It's really not. It's a grow massively growing industry with billions of dollars. Um, but even better is when it's this little niche kind of underground. I don't want to say quilting's underground, but in the way that the average person literally just went to the Dave Ramsey headquarters and the woman who gave us a tour asked what I did. I said, oh, I'm a quilter. And she literally was like, oh, it's a, that's so sweet. It's this dying art. I was like, oh, <laughs> but it's not. I didn't say that. I just smiled and uh-huh. So anyhow, you want a market that's growing, that's not dying. Uh, so don't worry what the public thinks. You actually want to know the data. Like, is it a growing market? Is it not? Then again, if you've heard me speak before, you know how important a niche is. So, you know, I say niche, but there's this phrase that says the riches are in the niches. So really, again, you will add more value to your customer by having a niche and niching down. So for example, let's say that you offer a painting class. Okay, who is your target audience? People who want to paint? It's very, very broad. Now, rookie mistake number one is to think excellent. It's broad. That means that I can have an unlimited number of people. There's more people who will want to just learn how to paint. However, once you get down to, I will teach you how to watercolor paint, not just that, I'll teach you how to watercolor paint your flowers, and then I'll teach you how to take that and turn it into fabric on your own that you can sell. Again, the general public thinks that is way too narrow of a niche. You won't have success, it's too narrow. I don't know how to tell you except maybe grab Alex's book and read up on it more. You will have more success by narrowing down that much. I also have, I'm, I, it's, I don't even know how to respond at this point, but people will say to me, do you think you're going to run out of people to take your quilt pattern writing course? There's only so many people who want to know how to take a course on quilt pattern writing, not to mention mine that focuses on Adobe. They don't even bring that up. They just say quilt pattern writing. Again, I, it really, sometimes I'll say something and other times I'm just, I smile. I promise you, I'm not worried about that that I have studied enough and I have seen the power of the niche that, um, I mean, Alex Hermosis, he says he has a target, this phrase that he uses, don't make me niche slap you. So just, I don't even know, how to, just trust me on this. And if you're struggling with, well, what exactly is my niche? Um, actually reach out and let me know your questions about that. I am considering Putting, to, putting together a little mini course on how to narrow your niche, and especially within the quilting market. So see, there I am niching down even more. How I can provide help for people who are starting a quilting business and are struggling with their niche. And the reason I'm thinking of even creating that is because I've worked with enough students to know this is a very big pain point. 
and your success hinges on that. So trust me, if you want to grab a copy of Alex's book, which I am not an affiliate of, I just, it is very, very helpful in understanding the power of the niche. But one thing on the niche, once you do pick your niche, stick with it long enough to have trial and error because you will have error, right? You're going to fail until you succeed. But a lot of times people are like, well, I tried that and it didn't work. So I'm going to jump ship and go to this other niche over here. Well, then you're starting all over again and you're never going to have success until you've failed enough times to succeed. So stick with your niche and try out, you know, even people who write quilt patterns are like, well, I marketed, I launched, I did all the things and didn't work. I'm like, well, no, 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 no. There's enough people out there having success with it. It's a narrow enough niche. It, it checks all the things we've talked about so far. You just either need to narrow your niche more, build your brand more, or figure out your marketing strategies. Like there, there is clearly room for success here. Just because you're not having it doesn't mean that the market is failing or that there's not room for you. It means that you have not succeeded yet. So don't jump ship and move to something else. I mean, you know, last week's episode, it's okay to quit. I'm not trying to go back on what I said. If you are like, no, this is not bringing me joy. This isn't what I want to do. I actually need money right now. All the things we talked about last week, of course, then it's okay to quit and do something else. But if you're quitting simply because, well, this one didn't work, so I'm going to try something else. Don't, don't do that. That's a... Uh, you got to figure out what's going to work first, because if you go and jump into a new market and try something else, it's still not going to work because you haven't figured out what it takes to succeed. So you got to put in that work. You got to try and fail and, and figure out the, the key to success there. But yes, the power of the niche is when someone says, oh my goodness, this is exactly for me. This is solving my unique problem. That's a value to me. So again, with um, the monthly subscription box for quilters, it's not just a monthly subscription box, it's for quilters. And even more so, you know, people knew, oh, she often has these kinds of fabrics, patterns from these designers. There's always a yummy treat in there. It's a boutique type of a thing. You can't find those items, you know, in your local quilt shop. So that's very narrow, you know, some people didn't love the box. I mean, anyone who didn't quilt, obviously, but even within the quilting world, there are people who are like, oh, that's not really my thing. You want that. You want people, certain people to say that is not for me. Because if you are trying to appeal to everyone, you actually appeal to nobody. So you want to really niche down. And I think of when I'm on Instagram, a bunch of ads pop up because... Instagram, you know, the algorithm that's creepy or helpful, depending which side you're on. Um, these ads pop up and some of them are like, okay, grow your business. Most of the time I'm like, no, thank you. However, sometimes someone is very good at their niche and their marketing and it speaks to me. For example, create the best online course for your audience. When I was creating an online course, I was like, oh yeah, okay, let me know how to create the best online course rather than just grow your business. So you see, that's a kind of a broader example, but another example of the niche that you really want to narrow that down. I cannot stress it enough and I cannot tell you how many times my students and the people that I coach fight that, fight that, fight that. 
um, because it goes against our intuition. Like, no, no, I want to attract everyone. You really do not want to attract everyone. You want to really attract a small portion of the market. And Alex, in his book, he even talks about at a certain point to grow, you will have to appeal to more people, but not, he said, generally not until you're earning about $10 million a year. So let that simmer with you for a minute until you're earning $10 million a year, which most people don't get to that point. You want to narrow, narrow, narrow. You want to filter out and become so niche because there are more people in this world than you realize who want that very specific pinpoint thing that you're offering. So lean into that, trust that. And once you get to the $10 million a year point, then you can think about broadening out. You know, for example, I've thought about, oh, the craft to career course. That could be for anyone who wants to grow their business. That's a terrible idea. I am now focusing on quilters, quilterpreneurs. That has served me well, and it will continue to serve me well. And if I ever do branch out into this course is for anyone who wants to grow their business, it's not going to be for a while. And it's not going to be, that's because I've got to build credibility and success and testimonials and a name recognition and all of that. But to do that, you've got to have that small audience that you can serve. So we've talked about the niche now. What we want to talk about now is our pricing. So as Warren Buffett says, price is what you pay. Value is what you get. Our goal as a business owner is to bring our customers as much value as possible. And would you believe me when I say that raising your prices is one of the ways to add value to your customers? It's actually not a selfish thing to do as a business owner. Some people, trust me, I've heard it, you are charging way too much, that's unethical. It's actually the nicest thing to do is to charge more for your customers, at both for your customer and for you. So generally people think, oh, the easiest way to increase the gap between the value and the price is to lower my price. But honestly, that's usually the wrong decision for a business. Lowering your prices, I mean, all you can do is go down to zero and then you're done. However, when you raise your prices, you can, there's an infinite amount that you can raise. And I love Dan Kennedy. He says, there is no strategic benefit to being the second cheapest in the marketplace, but there is for being the most expensive. However, we are going to talk about you cannot just run in and create something and charge the most over anybody else. You actually have to deliver. Like you have to have a product that's worth paying whatever, you know, that is. So it takes time. Usually it starts off by not being the most expensive. In fact, it's generally starting by offering something for free to test out, does this work? Is this actually bringing value? And once you realize, oh yeah, okay, this actually does. Okay, now I can charge more. And we'll go into more about how raising your price can actually increase value. But let's look at what most businesses do when they start. So most businesses, and let's just talk about a quilt pattern writer, for example, they'll look at the marketplace. They see what everyone else is offering and they'll kind of take the average 
and charge the average of what everyone else is offering so that they can stay competitive. Sometimes they'll go a little bit lower so that they can, you know, remain competitive. Then they provide what their competitors are offering, but at a lower price. And then sometimes they'll even add more like, but I'll also give you this at a lower price. So they end up giving a lot more for a lot less. So here's the big secret. Oftentimes those competitors that you're looking at to like, well, what are they doing? I guess I'll, I'll charge the same. They're dead broke. So why are you copying them? Pricing this way means that you are racing to the bottom of the market. It's, it's not going to serve you well. Over time, you're going to be offering more and getting paid less and business owners are doing, you know, they're earning just enough to stay above water and then the rest get washed out because they can't afford to keep doing this. You know, they can't run their business at that price. And then these, you know, new business owners come in with no idea that everyone is like washing out, that they cannot afford to stay in business. So they rinse and repeat. They, oh, what's the price everyone's charging? Okay, I'll charge that. Oh, I better offer more value, give it away for free, give it away for very cheap. And round and round we go with people just not earning enough money. So providing a service at just above what it costs for you to stay above water is no way to run a business. We are not trying to just barely stay afloat and stay above water. We're trying to run a successful business where we can make money and be successful. So since there is no benefit to being the second lowest price player in the market, let's talk about why it actually adds value to you and your customers to raise your prices. So when you raise your prices, you increase your clients buy-in. When you have to pay more for something, people are invested, both time, everything. They've paid for this and so they're way more likely to, to finish it, to do it, to value that because they have literally put more into, they've, they have more buy-in. You increase your clients perceived value of your service. It actually is human nature and uh, it goes way back to our DNA. But there is something about perceived value when the price goes up. A story that I really like that shows this, I mean, there's many, many, but there was a grocery store that had wine and it was secretly all the same wine but they priced it. They were giving out samples and said, this one is like a $1 wine. This one's a $5. This is a $10. Those weren't the real prices, but just, you know, for this, for this example. And they asked everyone, which one do you like the most? The majority by a long shot said, oh, this $10 one that tastes so much better. It's all perceived. It was in their mind. It was the same exact wine. Another example I love this shop owner uh, in New Mexico sold turquoise at a gas station, you know, this turquoise jewelry, and it was not selling. And they kept lowering the price and lowering the price and it wasn't selling. They tried to move it to the front of the store, change locations, you know, write words about the meaning. Finally, the owner had to go out of town and she wrote a note that said, must sell times half. So she was meaning to say like, cut it by half to get rid of it, but the employee misunderstood and thought it meant to double the price to the shop owner's surprise, happy surprise. It all sold out because the price was raised. P 
people inherently thought, oh, this must be really valuable because it's so expensive. So you will increase your client's perceived value of the service and you're going to increase their results because as I mentioned, they're actually going to invest and do the thing because they've put more into it. Then you're going to attract the best clients who are the easiest to satisfy and they're not going to demand the world for nothing. They, you know, have you ever had a client who's like, this is free? Well, they won't say it's free. They're like, I, you should have provided more and it's for a free item. And you're like, wow, uh, that actually cost you nothing. How, really? You're asking for more? Well, the clients who are actually going to pay more generally are easier to satisfy and they cost less to fulfill and they're actually going to receive and perceive the most value from your product. Now here comes the experiencing part. This is where you can actually earn more money because you are indeed bringing in more money. Now you have the money to invest in systems that create more efficiency. You can invest in hiring people on your team who are talented, smart, experienced. You can scale your business. You can improve your product. I have seen this with the quilt pattern writing course because of the success that it has had and the results that it's given the, the students, I now have been able to hire, you know, I'm part of a mastermind where they're teaching me how to run my business more efficiently. I've been able to hire a team. I've been able to invest in different software and guests who are going to come and teach in the course. I could not do that if I was just barely scraping by. So I am now able to offer a better product because I have charged more and I'm not just barely scraping by. So in order for you to grow your business and provide an actual better product, it means that you have to charge more so that you can invest in your business and create that product to, to be better. Now on the flip side, when you decrease your price, you're decreasing your client's emotional investment because it didn't cost them much. It's like, oh, it's free, so we'll see. Maybe I'll do this, maybe not. Maybe I'll use it, maybe not. You're also decreasing your client's perceived value. I will say that we've seen that uh, in the quilt pattern writing world. And there are times where I give a free pattern, but it's very calculated. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. But with so many things for free and like YouTube, where everyone's giving out all of these things for free, 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 free. First of all, it waters down, you know, people, their expectations of, well, I don't want to pay because this could be free. So you're decreasing your client's perceived value of what you're giving too. Like, well, it can't be that good if it's so cheap. Everyone else, you know, it's priced the same as everybody else. You're also decreasing your client's results because they're not valuing that service. They're not invested. I mean, you've experienced it. When you pay more for something, you are in. You're like, oh, I, I'm doing this thing. I paid, like, I will get my money's worth, you know? You also will attract the worst clients who are never satisfied until your service is free. If you're a business owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And not saying everyone, because, you know, not every client who is looking for a deal is going to be like that, but you will attract more of that kind of client. And you're also going to destroy any margin that you have left because you're actually trying to provide exceptional experience. You're trying to hire the right people and invest and pamper your clients, but you just don't have the money to do that. So really, 
that's just no way to run a business. Like really the, the kindest thing you can do to your customer is raise the price. And that's going to attract the people who, first of all, like I said, have the capacity to buy that product. There has to be a market of people who can actually pay for this thing. And if you are solving a pain point and you're bringing value, raise your prices. It's the kindest thing you can do to yourself, to your business, and to the longevity of the market at large, you know? So I will give a, a cautionary tale or warning. There will be people who are going to be upset, both the customers and other people in your industry who are going to say, how dare you charge that much? That's not ethical or whatever, whatever their reasons might be. I'm here to tell you that it is ethical. You will be able to provide a better service for your customers when you are earning a profit, when you actually are able to invest in your business and improve it. That's the only way you can, unless you have an unlimited source of funds coming elsewhere, but you're trying to run a successful business. You're not trying, like I said, not just trying to barely stay afloat. And if you're running a charity organization, that's different. You know, that could be like a nonprofit. There's definitely places for that. And we are all so grateful that those exist. And I look for ways to contribute, you know, in those areas when possible or where I feel drawn to. But when it comes to running a profitable business, you have to have a margin that is healthy. You have to be able to earn money and bring it in. And so, yes, charging higher prices is the kind thing to do. Not just for your customers, but for you. You know, you'll be able to attract the kind of clients that you want to work with. And then, you know, as I've kind of drilled in on and honed in on, you will be able to up the value by investing more and pampering your clients, providing the best value, creating the best product possible. There is no advantage to being the cheapest or the second cheapest person in the market. You want to be the best. You want to be at the top. And so to do that, you know, you've got to, you've got to charge the prices that are going to allow that to happen. But also, as we've talked about, and I've just kind of skimmed on this, but you cannot go and charge high-end prices without delivering a high-end product. That is the fastest way to shut down your business. If you're charging astronomical prices or even just the top of the market prices, but what you're delivering is not up to par, that will not be sustainable. Word will get around. So you really have to follow those steps of figuring out, you know, maybe even at first offering it for free until you figure out and I'm not saying, please don't say, oh, Elizabeth said I need to offer all of my things for free. It's really more if you're doing like a coaching or a course, that's where you might want to have a few people come in who are going to actually tell you the truth, take the course or the coaching and make sure that you are getting results for people before you go and charge. When it comes to a physical product, no, still charge for that physical product, but just know that you want to raise your prices over time and you want to figure out how to up the value of that, make it a better experience, how to pamper, how to just add more value so that you can raise your prices. It's not just, I'm not just here saying charge the most of anybody in the market. It goes with providing the best product in the market. So those go hand in hand, but this is, um, this has been a fun topic for me. I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. So you can either leave a review 
or you can send me a DM. I would love to hear your thoughts. And next week, we'll be here with a brand new guest on the podcast. It's a brand new selling platform for quilt patterns and quilt shops. It's very interesting. I just met with the owner recently, so I can't wait to share more with you. Uh, but yes, next Friday, right here on the Craft a Career podcast. Until then, have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.